school is in session with basketball you welcome to your study time for the world of college hoops now here are your professors aki and Hanley on espn 1000 It is all over. The retirement tour for Coach K has come to a close, Brian, as we celebrate it here on Basketball U. Tyler Rocky, Brian Hanley, we're with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. This is the last show for us here, Basketball U. It's been fun celebrating and watching and interacting with you all throughout the NCAA tournament. And Brian, boy, were we treated to some fabulous basketball last night. You know, the first game, blowout. Yeah, you, you get that. It feels like you usually get one dud in the Final Four, but you're usually treated to one really great, epic game. And boy, did we get that to close out the night between Duke and Carolina with the eight seed, North Carolina, heading to the championship to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, I got to go to Prop Swap and see if there are any 150 to 1 or 200 to 1 odds tickets that were purchased at the end of February on those Tar Heels because they were uh, stumbling, bumbling at that point, and here they are playing their best basketball at the right time of the year. You're certain about the retirement tour being over. We're not going to have a Tom Brady or or name a heavyweight champion or there's coming out of retirement, right, over Hubert Davis's dead body. Uh, Coach K, you're not going. He's not coming back, right? He's he's, Tomorrow doesn't wake up and upstage the the Masters this week. It wouldn't shock me. Let's put it that way. It would not, nothing would shock me at this point with the way that everything sort of goes. It feels like retirements are unofficial at this right. point. And, and yeah, Coach, like, K, Coach K, being the, the man from Army that he is, the man from West Point, he may go on a second tour, okay? Like, yeah, there's the, like the farewell tours for rock bands, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it's like how many iterations of the farewell tour can you have? And I think Elton John's farewell tour is going for three years. Uh, right. Because if you Paul saw how much he's banking. Them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think but I've yeah, seen what, Paul McCartney twice since he retired. Yeah, I saw him at Wrigley Field. It was well worth it. I'll tell you that. Um, but that was a long time ago. But uh, epic game. I mean, what, 18 lead changes? I mean, it was, it was back and forth all game long. And you saw big shots being hit. You know, it was funny because you and I were talking before the show. I was on the under in that, in that Carolina game and Duke. And I thought Which to myself. Which is usually a, a pretty good bet when you get into the cabinets. You get into those domes. Yeah, those football stadiums. And you're, I was feeling good. It, it was a very low scoring game. I think it was like five to four at the under. At the under 16 timeout, and there was a little bit of clock drained off on top of that. But these teams just all of a sudden got into an NBA level shot making clinic. And yep. you saw Caleb Love come alive in the second half. You saw Mark Williams when he wasn't in foul trouble. He, I mean, are those rims all right? Are they going to have to replace those rims between Mark Williams, Armando oh. Baycott, Paolo Bancaro, Theo I mean, John? I mean, all those guys just beat the crap out of those rims like the with rims how much they were hanging. I mean, yeah. They were just punishing them, right? And by the way, can, can, I, can the basketball gods get me Mark Williams in a Bulls uniform, please? Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, Steve Greenberg, our buddy, tweeted that out last night. I'm like, you know what? That works for me. Seven foot, 242 pounds. You and, want to uh, talk about someone with a little bit of nasty to them defensively? Yeah. I mean, Mark Williams is your guy. And it's funny, I was actually talking about this uh, with 
Hood and Black yesterday on Fast Break, and we were talking about Mark Williams. And I said, you know, I, I used to see him in some of these mock drafts hanging in the, the mid-20s, yeah. early 20s, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this would be a great piece for the Bulls to have. And then all of a sudden, I looked at The Athletic yesterday, and he's up to 12. I mean, talk about a guy who's worked his way up the mock drafts, and, and the NCAA tournament's a big reason why. Mark Williams is certainly that guy. Yeah, well, uh, I'm hoping he's still around at 23 or whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, the Bulls could use a piece like that. But how many of these guys are going to be playing in the NBA? And, and, I mean, doesn't look like they're playing NBA-style ball anyway right now, as you mentioned. So it's not the transition won't be all that tough, I don't believe, for a lot of these guys. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to react to last night's game, I mean, I've got this question for any Carolina fans out there, for any diehard college basketball fans out there, or or just if you're new to the sport, if you're just getting into it, or if you only watch in March. But this came across my mind with Hubert Davis, a man who people wanted to fire in mid February after he lost at home to Pitt, who is one of the worst teams the Power Five saw this season. After he lost that game at home, I mean, you look at all the Carolina blogs and and the the message boards and stuff like that, and you know, you know, Brian, those message boards for college sports. I mean, nasty. You you want a fun time? Go go to a college sports message board for for a certain team, especially one that's struggling. Uh, I recommend NC State. NC State when Pack Pride's a good one. Um, <laughs> but with Hubert Davis now having this victory to get to the championship. And also having the victory to take down Coach K in the finale at Cameron. Hubert Davis has two of the biggest wins in Carolina history, and he hasn't even completed a full season yet. What is two? Is it the two biggest? Is it two of the five biggest? Is it two of the ten biggest wins in Carolina history? Where? What is the, that number X? Two of the X biggest wins in Carolina history. What is that number X? Well, the the number in February was two hundred to one because after that pit loss, no one saw this coming, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to, that they would go rolling through and and look, we've seen them win with Caleb Love doing what he did last night, and we've seen them win the see the the Tar Heels win with five points and and a fallout Caleb Love. They've got nothing but, I mean, tools galore, right? They can yeah. hit their threes. They got big men who can hit their threes. They can just dominate in the paint. Uh, they can do whatever you want them to do. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's a great question. I mean, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, and now this, you know, Hubert Davis. And even like a Bill Guthridge, he took Carolina to the Final Four in his first season too. Yeah, but, I mean, look, uh, what, the Dean Dome, or the, is it going to be a Hubert, Hubert Davis, Davis Arena? Dome? Yeah. yeah, at some point. But th- think about it. Beating Duke twice within a month, ruining the, the farewell final home game coach k party and then dispatching uh coach k for the final time and uh giving him his what 368th loss yeah against 1202 wins which you know whether you like coach k or not damn, <laughs> impressive. damn impressive yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> damn impressive two words uh that's a great question but you know why is it we fixate so much on coaches in college basketball instead of this great talent um and saying that i said it last week or two weeks ago, you know, doesn't Bill Self have to win another title some sometime soon here? Yeah, for all the things he's accomplished, he's the, getting back to the Final Four, which is certainly yeah. important and something that they have been deprived of for a little bit. But 
getting getting that second championship. We've seen, I mean, think about how many great coaches only have one and think of how many don't even have one too as well. I mean, I think from from my neck of the woods with with watching Syracuse, Jim Beheim in terms of a win standpoint has kind of gone stride for stride with Coach K. But Coach K's got five championships. Jim Beheim only yeah. has the one. He's come very 2008. close. 2008. 2008, long time ago. Yeah, and with Bill Self, yeah, the 2008 title, getting that second one is so difficult, and that's why, that, that's what separates the good from the great. And again, this is the hardest championship to win in all of sports, in my opinion, because of the, the crazy the nature and the yeah. gauntlet, and you have to go out there and do it six times. And if, if you're a first four team, you'd have to do it seven times. And you but, don't do it on your home floor until, right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 geographically, you might get a, a nice, you know, hour and a half drive from campus or whatever. But, yeah, you're going into these buildings. It's not like you're sitting until you get to the Super Bowl in the NFL. It's not like you're hosting teams. But, yeah, Bill Self, 2008, he's got 15 Big 12 championships and nine number one seeds. I know sustained success and keep knocking on the door and eventually it happens. But you're right. It it separates the, the good from great or the great from good. 312-332-3776. 312-332-3776. How big was that victory for Hubert Davis's legacy as the head coach of Carolina? Like, if Hubert Davis were to retire tomorrow, or at, at, let's let's say Carolina loses tomorrow and Hubert Davis says, you know what, I've had my fun, I'm done, all right? In the all unlikely scenario that he does something like that, like, where does he rank among Carolina coaches off of that? Like, I feel like he's already at three. And he's been doing it for one year. <laughs> I mean, you can make the argument, right? And, and man, I mean, look how impressive this run has been. And, and the numbers they're putting up and, and what they can do. I, I just, it, 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 to watch that game last night, and, and I, yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm lukewarm on Coach K. I appreciate how long he's been doing it at the level he's been doing it. But go back to Mark Williams. Did mm-hmm. you hear what he did the, in the post game? Mark Williams? No, well, Coach, oh, K, Coach K. Yeah, he just basically said, you know, well, guess what? They're really down in there. Freshman uh, missed a free throw that lost the game. Uh, what? I mean, yeah, just throw him under the bus, right? This yeah. is what this what the the mixed bag you get with Coach K, mm-hmm. right? It's all about the players. It's not about me. But by the way, did you see that guy missed two free throws and then they went down and hit a three. Yep. Uh, you know, I know he's a freshman and he's going to the NBA and Coach K's gone. But I, if Coach K was coming back, I think he would have said what he said last night because that's who he is. I, I right? look at it, too, and, I mean, this whole entire ordeal of the season has been the Coach K show. Coach yeah. K this, Coach K that. Follow him around. The, now we find out there's a documentary, and I guess that's not really much of a surprise to anyone because it feels like there's a documentary for everything nowadays. Um, but even you bring up the just the players and those kids love Kay. I mean, you hear the way Paolo Bancaro talks about him. In the hallway after the game, there, there was the shared moment between him and Trevor Keels. And Trevor Keels is waiting in the hallway for him and is just in tears. He's in tears because they wanted to give Coach Kay this, this retirement tour and cap it off with a championship. And what happens? Coach Kay goes into the hallway, gives him a little, like, drive-by hug and moves on this kid's bawling his eyes out because of he wanted to deliver something for you not necessarily for himself for you for the program for the university and coach k gives him the little drive-by hug and and moves on i mean 
this is also what Coach K had to say after the game uh, in his post-game press conference talking about the emotions of the finality and losing to UNC. It's not about me, right? You know, especially right now. You know, my, you know, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court. And, and um, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I, I've said my entire career, or when I knew what the hell I was doing, that uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. And it's a beautiful sight. It's not the sight that I would want. I'd want the other. But it's a side that I really respect and makes me understand just how good this group was. So that's, and I'm, and that's what I'm concerned. I don't want any of these guys to leave and say, I, I should have made that one free throw. I should have made that one. Uh, they, you know, we win and we lose together. And we've won 32 games and two championships together. And that's what I want them to realize. I mean, did you hear the way he started this thing? It's not about me. The whole damn thing's been about you. The entire season. And I think you got to this point against Carolina and the magic ran out where there was the stage of the Final Four. You're in a 100,000-seat arena and everything was about you. I mean, did you see the pictures of the shirts that, that people were wearing? The, the Nike shirts where it's the, the Nike swoosh logo and the, the Nike, but... The, there's missing letters. There's no N, I, or E. It literally is just a Nike swoosh with the letter K on it. For kids. I mean, what is happening? <laughs> K is it's, for kids. I mean, exactly. It's not about me. Yeah, the whole damn thing's been about you, K. Um, and, and so he's... But he, at the end of that, he couldn't help himself to bring up the missed free throw again. And then he said, we'd like to hit our free throws. Mark not being able to, and he stopped. He, he was never in the game. Well, he had eight points and four fouls, but four or five shooting. And he can't, again, it's not, a, you know, it's a, we lose as a team, win as a team. Uh, but, you know, boy, if he had just made those free throws, it would be different. Because well, Trevor Keels hit a three to put us up 71-70 with 202 left, you know. You want to know how, how you know this was a pressure-packed moment, that, that the moment was too big? You could tell it in that second free throw. So Mark Williams goes up, he steps to the line, he misses that first free throw. Yeah. Did you see him shrivel up, like, mid shot in the second one i mean he chicken winged the hell out of that thing and he, he never had a chance that, that second free throw never had a chance and you could just see it in his shot delivery that well, for, there was never all, a chance he's, of that he's ball a 72 percent free throw shooter okay i mean you know if if you do your jobs at different points in that game and i know everything's magnified at the end and free throws in particular but and you got to make your free throws but you know you shouldn't count on him going to the line when he shoots 72 percent on the season and make it you know you hope he makes one because you know the the percentage says he'll do at least that mm -hmm. but you had other you know, other ways of doing it right i mean it's you know defend a a, a, a brady manic three after that or whatever i yeah. mean they're different but you know to, to point your finger at the kid like that yeah, you know, just that's that's the Coach K that people love to hate. Yeah, three one two three three two three seven seven six. How are you going to remember the legacy of Coach K and what he's done? Because again, at the end of the day, 
he's gone to more Final Fours than any other coach. He's won five championships. He's a fantastic coach. But there's also the dark side of things, the selfishness, all that stuff. Uh, 312-332-3776. I also want to get into some of the things that Carolina did really well in that game. And really the reason why they won that game. And I think a lot of it had to do with familiarity. We'll break all that down and more. That's coming up next on Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. You're listening to Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's basketball you talking college hoops. Talking college hoops with you on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. It's the finale of Basketball U here on ESPN 1000 with you every Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. We've reached the final four, and now we're on to the national championship game starting tomorrow. And don't forget, 1135, we're going to talk with John Fanta from Fox Sports as well as the um, the Field of 68 as well. And he just broke some news, actually. It looks like the next head coach of Butler Basketball is going to be Thad Mata. So that's an interesting name, really? the, the return of Thad Mata to college basketball. He's been, I believe he was just in a consulting role at, at Indiana, but the former Ohio State head coach is now going to be moving on to Butler. So interesting little coaching change there. I had my money on Coach K for Butler. <laughs> just is that say, just me? Yeah. Just to say that he could win at multiple schools. <laughs> so he could say I, he could do that. He just, he was jealous of Brad Stevens. So. Good luck building a stairway to heaven at, at Butler, uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse, all right? I don't think you're going to be able to do that there. That um, is, of course, the, the staircase up to his palatial uh, office yep, suite, which he, right? Which he will not be bestowing to John Shire, by the way. Oh, he's so keeping the office. He's keeping the office, keeping it for himself. Says he's going to take a, a step back from the program, but that, that's, that's the Coach K we know. That's the Coach K we know. All right, th- there was another team that played in that game, believe it or not. It was the North Carolina Tar Heels. And it feels like th- this is the-, the thing that happens whenever you play against Duke is you're the team that's forgotten in the shuffle. You've got none of the pressure on you, too. And when you have a Carolina team that came in as an eight seed, they go out there and they take care of business in this game. Absolutely dominate the second half. They were trailing by three at halftime. It, was- it looked like things were going to spiral for a little bit they were down six remember and then they pulled back to within even with about 30 seconds to go in that first half and it looked like duke was gonna get on a run and start to to just pull away and it looked like we were going to be maybe seeing a duke blowout kind of like what we saw against arkansas in the elite eight game but carolina to their credit withstood every single punch that Duke threw their way. You know, it's it's one thing to be able to hang around and maybe you don't get over the hump. Like, how many times do we see a game where, oh, there's a, a, a clearly inferior team that's hanging around. They're always within five to three points, but they never get over that hump of getting tied with the team. Carolina did that. And I think the way that they withstood that was they hit a ton of big shots None bigger than what Caleb Love did throughout the course of the tournament. And we've seen these pop-up performances from Caleb Love, these second halves that he has put together as the leader of this Carolina team and and the the leading scorer. He's he's everything 
for well, them. Well, Marquette, Marquette still has scars from the opening game where Caleb Love just lit it up from name a distance. You mm-hmm. know, I can do it here. 24 feet? You want to try 26? I mean, when he's on, he, he's first of all, he has, doesn't lack for confidence, right? He'll, no. he'll put it up from anywhere. He's the king, as we said last week, of the no, 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 yes yeah. shot. 28 points, and boy, did they make their threes yesterday. And, and both teams, both teams really commanded the offensive boards, right? And second mm-hmm. chance opportunities. They both were like 38, 39% grabbing. 32 their own total offensive rebounds in this game, 17 yeah. to 15 in favor of Carolina. Yeah, and eight of those from Bacot. So um, it, that that you know that's huge when you you don't make the first one, you're there to clean it up, right? So, mm-hmm. and how about another six two from Leaky Black? You know, he was one of the interesting players in this game because a lot of people pegged him as the guy he's going to match up on Paolo Bancaro and be given the toughest defensive assignment. And then we ended up seeing a lot of Brady Manic on, on Paolo throughout the game. Um, but with Leaky Black, I mean, this is a guy they were baiting him into shooting a lot, and he didn't shoot the ball great. Ends up going uh, three for nine in the game, but he does hit two threes. But not just that. He has six offensive rebounds, nine total for the game to go along with eight points, and he just made a lot of difference-making plays. It seemed like any time Duke started to go on a run, it was either Leaky Black or Armando Baycott that were there to make a big play for this team that kind of kept them in the game or in some cases propelled them to a lead. Yeah, and, and you need guys like that. I mean, looking toward tomorrow night, is it going to, you know, Jalen Wilson's going to have to try to contain Brady Manick, right? So you're going to have you're going to have your stars, you're going to have your guys who are used to putting up, you're going to have uh the 20 the, the double doubles from Backcut and all that, but you're going to have a bench player or that fifth guy in the starting lineup who's got to come up with a career performance in order to get you over the finish line, right? Right, and that's the thing, is you see those sort of heroes when you get to the NCAA tournament. So far, I mean, there's a couple guys you could pin as heroes for North Carolina so far. You want to look at Brady Manick, he didn't play great in this game, but he he has been one of those guys. The first handful of games for them, he was fantastic. And in this game, he was awful in the first half. Absolutely awful, but from a statistical standpoint, he was awful. But the other part of this is what you do that doesn't show up in the box score. And he drew a lot of those early fouls on Mark Williams and Theo John that put Coach K in a real, real bind. Because as a result of that, I mean, Theo John got four fouls in the first half. Yeah. Four fouls. You don't see that sort of stuff happen. You saw... Uh, Mark Williams, he got uh, two fouls, and Coach K pretty much held him out. I mean, Mark Williams only played 16 minutes in this game, and it forced Coach K to go small. And what happened as a result of that? Well, here comes Carolina getting a ton of these offensive rebounds. And I I will say, Theo John stepping in, he did a really, really good job of sort of replacing Mark Williams. He did as good of a job as anyone could have asked. And that to me was super impressive. But the difference when you don't have a Mark Williams out there is still significant. And when both of those guys are in foul trouble and you have to go small, you're not going to have success against one of the best rebounding teams in the country. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see too, like Caleb Love and Leaky Black, how their perimeter defense is going to be against Egbaji and Brown. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many different matchups you can look at tomorrow night that could be absolutely key for either team to to win the title, right? Right. 312-332-3776 if you want to hop on in and talk about Coach K's final game. I do want to bring up this with 
the the way that North Carolina won this game, you know, it's funny because for all the flack that the ACC caught this season, and they were guaranteed a, a team into the championship game for the after this Final Four, all the flack that the ACC caught this season for being a subpar conference, and don't get me wrong, they were, but believe it or not, playing in the ACC, in my opinion, is the reason why Carolina won that game. They won this game because the ultimate curveball that Duke has had throughout the NCAA tournament is their ability to go zone. Coach K ripped it straight out of the playbook from Jim Beheim from their time with USA Basketball, and he's used it in second halves when things aren't going right for them defensively. And there were a number of those periods. We saw a couple of what Evan Miyakawa likes to call kill shots. They're called 10-0 runs, and... Those are important in college basketball. Can you withstand those? And UNC, I believe, had two kill shots in this game. And it's because and Duke couldn't go to a zone because Carolina has faced the zone so many times. He faced it twice against Duke earlier in the season, and then he faced it once against Syracuse. And guess what? On top of that, Carolina has dominated Syracuse ever since the Orange moved to the ACC. Absolutely dominated them. I think they've only lost twice in about a decade against the Orange. So when you don't have that in your back pocket, when you're Coach K and you cannot go to that zone defense, you're, you're probably not going to win this game against Carolina because they had the ultimate way to foil that. So the familiarity, it gets you gets UNC uh, and you know, gets them to the title game, where here we're in Big Ten country, and everyone says the Big Ten's lack of success to even get to a Final Four anymore is because everyone beats each other up, right? That's right. the that's the the old trope that boy, this is still a physical contest, and you got to go through the gauntlet, and you're lucky to survive to even win a conference championship. But by the time you get to the big, you know, to the NCAA tournament, every team is just beat up and gassed and everything else. And you heard Brad Underwood talk about last year and again this year how they needed to get a breather, and it was okay to get the early exit out of the conference tournament is go down to Champaign and regroup. Didn't work out too well for them in, in the NCAA tournament. But I, I buy into your ACC argument more than I'm buying into the old Big Ten argument. I, I do believe that when you have familiar familiarity with coaching matchups and, you know, you can pull that zone defense out when you're playing a right. non-con big powerhouse team, right? That they're not familiar with it, they don't see it. But you, when you see them in the conference and you see that for a year, uh, it doesn't surprise you anymore. There's no shock value. I look at it, too, as and the big reason why the zone defense is so successful in the NCAA tournament is because teams don't know how to prepare for it. And when you're working in a tournament format that is short turnarounds and super tough to prepare for next opponents, and then you've got this little curveball. Well, it's a curveball that Carolina knew how to hit. And that's something to, to keep in mind as to why Carolina is the, the team that they are. And really, the, the second half adjustments they made, too, in going after a Mark Williams to make sure he stayed in foul trouble and make Coach K go small. Because when those small lineups were out there, Armando Baycott was grabbing every single rebound. Both him and Leaky Black, they were cleaning up the glass with pretty, pretty solid regularity there so 312-332-3776 if you want to jump in with coach k and believe it or not 
There was another game yesterday, too. It was maybe the lesser game of the two, but we're going to dive into everything that went down in Kansas and Villanova Kansas. Boy, have they played three straight impressive halves of basketball. We'll tell you why next. Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's Home for Sports. Get the Basketball U podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. Welcome back to Basketball U, Tyler Rocky, Brian Hanley, the final episode of Basketball U. We're with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of fun over the course of this NCAA tournament. We've had so many stories along the way, whether it was St. Peter's, the 15 seed. Now we've got, obviously, Carolina, the 8 seed, making it all the way to the national championship game. We've had upsets galore. And we've had the Big Ten struggles as well. We do have to hit on Brad Underwood at some point, Brian, because he's getting an extension. And I think it's a a pretty split crowd when you talk to Illini fans about how they feel with Brad Underwood getting that extension. But let's get into this Kansas and and Villanova game. And I brought up the, the statistic called kill shots, right, earlier with talking about Carolina and the runs that they went on. Kansas had an opening kill shot. They oh. they start this game up ten nothing, and Villanova could never claw their way back. Hey, Baji with four four for four from threes in the first eight minutes. Right, he wasn't just four for four. I don't think he came close to touching the rim. Those were yeah. four of the purest swishes I've ever seen in my life. And you have Villanova. I think of their nine turnovers, four were in the first. Seven, eight, ten minutes, whatever yeah. it was. They had six first-half turnovers in that game. Yeah. I mean, the, right out of the gate, they just, uh, you know, and you knew they were going to be shorthanded and it was going to be a tough enough challenge. But when you get – it it reminded me, and I know Danny Zetterman was just loving the heck out of this. When you get well, he that, had his great dilemma yesterday because he was taking the family to the Bulls game and it was yeah. overlapping right with the Kansas game, but he got lucky. He got a blowout. He could stop watching the Kansas game at a certain point. Well, that's it. I remember sitting down there at the same Superdome watching Kansas do that to Marquette in 2003. There's no, no worse feeling in the world, right? You go, you get through the tournament, you get to the Final Four, and for Marquette it was the first time in forever. And to know within, you know, before the, uh, you, you've been ordered a hot dog or whatever, you're, you're done. You know, the game's yeah. over. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about deflating, but that's how good this Kansas team can be and has been, right? That that kill shot in the first ten minutes, it's like okay, well, well let's hope the second game's much better, and it was. But that tells you how dangerous the Jayhawks are. So Kansas really hasn't played all that well throughout the NCAA tournament. They were all right in the uh, obviously they play the one sixteen game. You're not going to put a lot of stock in that either way. That next game against Creighton, they hung tough with a solid Creighton team, but a very undermanned Creighton team as well. And just there wasn't really anything there that those first three games. And then they play Miami and they don't look that great. They're trailing by, I think it was six at the end of the yeah, first yeah, half against yeah. Miami. And then boy, did they turn the Jets on in that second half. And they have not looked back since. They're making shots at an immaculate clip right now. They shoot 54% from three, they made 13 triples in this game. 
13 of them, six of them from Abaji, who goes six for seven. Daywan Harris, he, he has a nice performance from distance, too. He goes three for five. But I think the real story of this game was the, mis- the mismatch that was posed inside between David McCormick and the bigs of Villanova, or lack thereof bigs of Villanova in this game. Because Eric Dixon's a nice piece, but when 6'8's your biggest guy, size is going to give you some issues, and that's exactly what happened in this game. When McCormick goes out there, puts in a season-high 25 to go along with nine rebounds, David McCormick, there was nothing that Villanova could have done to handle that. Absolutely. He makes 10 of 12 from the field. And just, I mean, just... They couldn't stop him, and I think Charles Barkley pointed that out at halftime. Yeah. Right? Here's what here's what Barkley had to say on, on the TBS halftime show yesterday. The big difference was McCormick in the post. They cannot handle him, and there's really nothing they can do. They're not going to grow at halftime. They're He's not right. Grow at halftime. They're not going to grow at halftime. I mean, there's nothing they could have done, and, and this is when Kansas is at their best, right? Because in this game, they got fantastic guard play out of Daywan Harris. Remy Martin actually wasn't much of a factor in this game. He only had three points, hit one three, also had five rebounds in this game, but really didn't do a lot, didn't get the normal workload he's used to coming off of the bench in this game, which was a little bit surprising to me, knowing that you'd have to go up against Colin Gillespie for 40 minutes and defensively what that would have to entail. But I think that when you've got the dominant big, when Kansas has the dominant big, think back to what happened in 2020 when they were supposed to be this world-beating team. They had good center play when they were supposed to be that number one overall seed. A lot of people thought they were going to win it all then, and now you're seeing that sort of redemption arc with Kansas and a guy like McCormick, who if he plays like this against UNC, and who knows what the health status is of Armando Baycott and his ankle, which he turned late in the game for Carolina, but if you get this out of David McCormick, That game could be over in the first 10 minutes, kind of like this one was against Villanova. Well, Charles went on to to crown Kansas champion, you know, no matter who their opponent was going to be tomorrow night, you know, because the the game hadn't been played. He said, that's it. And as you mentioned, they didn't even have everyone firing on all cylinders, right? So if Remy Martin has his normal type game that he's had for the last two months versus the, the game he had yesterday where he really wasn't a factor at all, I mean, that's pretty intimidating. If you're Bill Self, you feel pretty good about coming in and facing UNC. But you talk about confidence. I mean, does UNC have any less confidence in Kansas right now? I mean, Absolutely they, they got, not. No. But the, the thing that may worry me about Carolina is they may feel like they've won their championship. Because oh. e- even if they win that championship, let's say Carolina takes care of Kansas tomorrow. I think you you ask anyone, deep down you get a little bit of a truth serum in them, they'll tell you the biggest win for them was that Final Four game. And it maybe, always, it always maybe worries me. Maybe for fans, me. maybe fans, and maybe even for the for uh, Hubert Davis, when you have kids who are one-and-done kids, I don't know that they appreciate. I mean, they know that's a rival game. I, I don't think those kids on the cusp, cusp of winning an NCAA championship are, are are sitting back saying, "Well, we beat Duke, and that's all that really matters." I, you know, back in the day when kids stayed for four years and and you beat up on the same guys, uh, how many times a year mm-hmm. in the conference? Maybe that to me would would have held true. I don't think these kids appreciate the you know they're they're not in the chat rooms for you know 
They're not on the message boards. They're not on yeah, Inside Carolina. Right, rivals.com. I mean, they're not, right? So they're, I just, I think, and most of them, you know, look, most of them still want to impress NBA scouts, right? right. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, I mean, don't I get any at, bigger than that. I look at Caleb Love, and it's funny because that guy wasn't really on draft boards. A couple places said, oh, he might be a second-round pick, but... I mean, it almost feels like what Johnny Juzang did last year with UCLA, where he kept working his way in. And if Juzang went, he may have gone to and been picked in the NBA draft. He obviously came back to, to UCLA and tried to make another run with the Bruins this year. But, yeah, I mean, you could see someone play their way in. And Armando Baycott, that to me is a, a glaring issue. What's his health status going to be like? Um, but I, I look at what Kansas has done so far if they bottle that up if they bottle up what they've done the last three halves i do think they will blow out carolina and i just don't think there's a team really that was in this final four that when when kansas is clicking like that like you can't stop them you really well, can't look, i mean even look at christian Braun, right i mean okay it looked 10 points mm-hmm. and three four of eight from the field how many big shots do you make at right. key times? Right? I mean, you think about every time that you saw Villanova pull within six, pull yeah. within seven, boom. It was a Christian Brown three that came on the other end of it. And it ended up being a nine-point game at that point. He was such a, an integral player to making sure this thing never got to a one-possession game. Because if he doesn't hit some of these shots, and they were tough shots... Yeah. Like there was a step back three as the shot clock was expiring that one time. He hit some really big shots in this game. Um, but yeah, it, it is a it is a bit of a conundrum that that Kansas or rather that Carolina finds itself in because one of the places you thought you would have an advantage heading into Monday's national championship game would have been the big man because I don't think people think David McCormick can replicate that sort of performance. And people thought that Armando Baycott was going to go into this thing pretty healthy. And now those things are kind of going in opposite directions when you look at it. Yeah, and Duke did just dominate the paint, right? 48 to 26. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, look, I mean, it, if, if it will, um, hopefully John Fanto gives an update on that. But, I mean, will, will they come out? I would assume they're having an MRI on that ankle. Whether they actually announce the results or not is a, another story. But if they do, usually that stuff leaks out. But you, usually they'll hide behind, you know, HIPAA and student athletes, and it's not the pros. Mm-hmm. But it's not the pros. But now with gambling being legal, pretty much everywhere, and partnerships, and like every other commercial break has a, a gambling commercial on it. Do you owe it to betters to let let them let them know exactly what's going on with that ankle, or is it nobody's business? You know, go ahead and wager your, your money on your own, you know, on your own feelings. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. I do want to reflect a little bit on the season that Villanova had because I don't think it can be understated how how much they went through to get to this point. And also, we want to hear from you. Who do you have in the national championship between Kansas and North Carolina? We know who our boss Danny Zetterman has. He's rock chalking all the way, and he's excited for his Jayhawks getting to that national championship game. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Want to hear from you? Basketball, you will be back in just a bit. Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. 
Basketball U on ESPN 1000, final episode of Basketball U. And if you missed anything, you missed some of the stuff we said about Duke and Carolina and the finale for Coach K, it's on the podcast. So check it out on the ESPN Chicago app and search for the additional podcast tile and you will find Basketball U right there, front and center of that tile. So we get Can I also say on the the app, I listened mm-hmm. to the first uh, golf show with you and Barry Cronin this yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Thank it you. It was terrific stuff, and I want one of those uh, golf swag bags. <laughs> we'll keep one tucked away for you. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, boy, oh, boy, just if you love golf, you got to be listening to that show every Sunday morning. 312-332-3776. All right, so Villanova comes up a little bit short in this game. They had a phenomenal season. You saw them, how, I mean, countless times being the the man of the Big East that you are, Brian, and your Marquette Golden Eagles took him down twice. Not once, but twice this past season. But I I look back at this Villanova team, and obviously I don't think they had the star power to do it. This isn't like the 16 or the 18 team that Jay Wright had that won national championships. But for them to come as far as they did, especially given the injury that – they were dealt in the Elite Eight when Justin Moore ruptures his Achilles and has to miss this Final Four contest against Kansas. For them to still, and again, well, it was a blowout, but I was a little bit inspired in that second half to see the way that they came out and still sort of fought and pulled that thing within yeah, six points. They, they didn't just, I, you know, they, they didn't, didn't roll just, over. No, they didn't say, here it is, you know, it's we're done. They They were... I mean, look at it. Gillespie and Daniels, 39 minutes each. And that, that's what it's been all season long. And in the case of someone like Caleb Daniels, and here's the unfortunate part of what happened with Caleb Daniels. And he gets thrust into the starting lineup because of the Justin Moore injury. Right. To me, it felt like he tried to be the hero too much. I mean, there were a couple times it was a six-point game. It was a seven-point game. And you saw a Caleb Daniels step back three or a contested three with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. And it just rims in and out. And I thought that, to me, kind of goes against what Villanova basketball is. And we talked about it last week with, with Jeff Goodman. We talked about it amongst ourselves. This is a program that prides itself on passing up good shots for great shots. And he was taking mediocre at best shots in yeah, some of two, those cases. Five of 14 from the field, two of seven from threes. And you're right. It was the amount of time left on the clock where normally they make the extra pass or two to get a better shot. And, and you know, it wasn't going to make a difference in, in at the end. But when they started getting some momentum for those brief minutes, you, you know, that's the last thing you needed to jack up something that was ill-advised. Right. And that's something that, you feel like it just sort of trickles down all the way, even to some of the bench guys that, that Villanova has. And unfortunately, Daniels really struggled in this game. And who knows, playing in his hometown of New Orleans, getting the start in the Final Four, that stuff can weigh on a kid, certainly. Um, but you would have expected a, a little bit more from, from a Villanova program. But overall, I mean, a fantastic season for them. They'll be back. And, and if you thought, oh, there goes Colin Gillespie, but guess what? I mean... You know who's next in line? Ryan Archidiakono's brother, Chris Archidiakono. So they're just going to continue this cycle. It's been over a decade running now of consistent point guard play, and they're probably going to have another when Arch takes over the program next year. So 
looking now at, at the matchup that we have at hand with with Kansas and, and with, with Carolina, I, I look. I think to myself, this is something that a nobody expect. I mean, it feels like Kansas was a team that people just slept on too much. Mm-hmm. When you looked at that region, you saw people with the trendy Iowa pick. You saw people with the trendy Wisconsin pick. You saw people who saw the NBA star potential in Auburn with Jabari Smith. And it feels like the the lost in the shuffle team was Kansas that entire time. Yet they're the ones who were more consistent throughout the regular season. They played the best basketball when it mattered most. They won their conference tournament, too. Um, but I, I think that this matchup, you've got one... One team that's uber confident right now in in UNC, and then on the other side, you've got a Kansas team that is just sort of going about its business. And I think there's something to be said about teams that can handle that and just going about your business because that is so tough, so, so tough to do in college, especially in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but I mean, that Kansas program, when you get recruited there, when you go there, you know what's expected. And it's you know, you mentioned the the chat boards and uh, chat rooms and all that. When you're on that college campus at Kansas, right, you know what what's expected each and every game, right? No matter who you're playing, if you're playing a hyphen school, the the bar is not like down in Champaign, apparently, where just you know go ahead and, and challenge for a Big Ten title or win it, and we're good to go. They you mentioned it. They won their their their. Uh, conference tournament you know there's there's a something you might want to try to do down uh, uh, brad underwood go ahead and, and live up to the expectation yep. of the year and every year the expectation is and and see bill self's nine number one seeds the expectation is you should be it's disappointing if you're anything less than one or two seed right it's mm-hmm. it's a disappointing season so right. that that's an elite program by any definition and that's what you should aspire to so that the confidence that UNC has comes with being hot at the right time of year, and people have written you off. Um, for Kansas, they're just simply playing their best basketball, including their defense has been much better in the last month or so, right? Yeah, so. certainly. 312-332-3776. Also, be sure to watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN1000 Chicago. Tal, our favorite Iowa fan, has checked in and says, trendy Iowa pick. Dude, as a lifelong Iowa as a lifelong fan, Iowa is never trendy. And to that, I would say, Iowa also doesn't have lottery picks. And they had one this year with Keegan Murray. So I think they were both trendy and also had a lottery pick on their team. So um, 312-332-3776. Basketball, you will be back in two minut